I'm Nala. You're welcome to drive this podcast. <laughs> All right, should we give it another go? Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. I had a voice I wanted to do, but I don't know if it's too much. It's never stopped me before. <laughs> and I shut my cake hole. I actually think that's more reserved than some of your previous voices. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Something Wicked was a lot. Yeah. And on this week's episode, we will be discussing the fourth episode of season three of Supernatural titled Sin City. Jamie, what did you think? I thought of a joke while watching the episode and I just want to say it right up straight right up the gate. It's none of your business. Because the very first scene there's a nun. They start in the church. It's pretending When you have to explain the pun, I just... <laughs> Okay, then, if you don't like my pun, let's move on to my PSA this week. What do you think it is? Oh, Jesus. All right, we're getting yeah. really into it. Okay, PSA. Um, fuck. Well, there's so much with this episode because yeah. it's literally all about, like, you know... Yeah. I mean, if you've seen the city, it's called Sin yeah. City. Like, if you've seen the episode, there's a lot I could go with here. Yeah. I'm going to say, don't go with strangers back to their creepy basement. Valid PSA, but also kind of applicable to almost every episode ever of Supernatural. <laughs> You're not wrong. So, not this week's PSA. Maybe Earl week's PSA, but not this week's PSA. Okay, yeah. Any other guesses or are you done? Um, you, you put in one it was wrong? No. I'm, I'm really intrigued to... To hear what you've picked out yeah. of this episode, actually. Like, okay. of all of the material you had to work with, yeah. I'm curious. This week's PSA is observe proper lab safety practices. <gasps> the Bunsen burner! The Bunsen burner! Yes! Bobby is experimenting. He's got the Bunsen burner. He's A, not wearing any proper PPE. None of them are. None of them are. And see, it's just chilling there in the middle of the day. Like, that is a fire safety issue, mate. <laughs> With all those books lying around, I'm sure he's got an extinguisher somewhere. But yeah. yes, the fucking ones about. Do you know it's funny? That scene stuck out to me for two reasons. One, yeah. because I love seeing them practically do things like that. Yeah. Like it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, they would have to make more bullets at some point because a lot of their bullets are not just normal bullets. They're like specifically made of like silver or iron or have particular carvings in them or like whatever. Like it's it's a practical thing, and I enjoy that it's something we get to see them do. The other reason I love that scene is, oh, actually three reasons. Second the reason, Bobby, just in general. I love Bobby. Every time I see him, I'm like, oh, hello, my favourite sir. Third reason I love that scene. Well, really? not necessarily love it, but the reason it sticks out to me is because you know how when you're in school and like you might be sick one day and usually that doesn't matter. You don't like miss anything yeah. important. You just get in the next day and they're like, oh, we just did the same thing we always do. You missed a day. Here's a, like a sheet to catch up on. Yeah. Right? I missed the day. We learned how to use the Bunsen burners. And none of the teachers seemed to cotton on to that. So every time after that we used the Bunsen burner, I didn't know how to do it. And so I would try and ask, and they'd be like, oh, well, we did it. And I'd be like, uh, okay. They're like, Bethany, you know how to do this. I'm like, I, I don't. That's why I asked you, but all right. And so then I would just have to pray that whichever person I was like paired with for that yeah. lab knew how to use the Bunsen burner. I never got my Bunsen burner license. I also missed out on getting my pen license. That's le- lower stakes. But See, I just managed to miss these days. So yes, that scene just sticks out for me because it always makes me think of the fact that I don't know how to use Bunsen burner properly. Do I need to like, teach I you do. how to 
use a Bunsen burner, like, like basic lab safety. Like, I, I can get by. Like, we, thankfully, thankfully, we did, like, a refresher top thing when I was at uni very briefly. They yeah. were like, now, everyone here has done science through high school. You've all used a Bunsen burner before. However, we're required to do the safety thing. And I was like, thank fuck. <laughs> um, Plot twist, you were also sick that day from uni. <laughs> can you imagine? I had to ISO because of COVID. No. So, thankfully, we did do, a, like, a, a safety briefing and... I did just genuinely ask one of the lab techs, like, hello, I'm about to sound like an idiot, but can you please actually show me how to use this so I don't blow up a lab? And they were like, absolutely. Because they'll take it seriously, unlike yeah. apparently my high school teachers who didn't give a shit. Anyway. Though I will say I thought of a very funny joke for that scene. Yeah. I didn't realise it was the cold at first. I just saw him looking at an old, like Bobby looking at an old gun and all I could think of is, is he an antiquer? <laughs> For all those uh, Bobby Rufus truthers out there, that one's for you. <laughs> I have a couple other things I want to say about this scene, okay, so I'm yeah. going to get those out of the way, but then I have to make a disclaimer. Mm-hmm. So bear with me. I very quickly want to say, because I don't think we've mentioned it before, we may have, but I don't explicitly remember, I really love the set that is Bobby's house. Yeah. It's so detailed. There is just stuff everywhere. It's very cluttered, but it's, it's not... considered. Yeah, it's not it's it's not messy. Yeah, it's cluttered. It's looking at Bobby's house gives you an amazing feel for Bobby's character. Like I feel like that whole set was just like immaculately. I feel done. like one thing that I haven't really focused on a lot in this show is set design, which is a shame because I think set design's one of the better departments that worked on this show. Actually, like, yeah, I have some points about the set design just from this episode, even. Generally speaking, I think set design largely goes unnoticed. Yeah. Which can be both a brilliant thing and a terrible thing because it means that the incredible artists who work on the set design don't get acknowledged anywhere near the amount they should. Yeah. And I think supernatural set design is actually one of the areas where I would argue it's actually good. Yeah. Like, this show, you can be like, well, this was actually bad. That was actually good. And it's like all the different elements. Yeah. And then each episode, it changes. Like, yeah. <laughs> some episodes, it's like, this was good, but that was bad. And so it's like trying to take the averages to work out what's normally good, what's normally bad, and what specifically for this episode was good and or bad, and then whether they balance out to make it a good episode or a bad episode. I'm telling you, it's like eight-dimensional chess. It's... No, so actually, it's I'm really glad that you mentioned the set design. At some point in the show, I want to say it's like mid to late seasons, it was after... I saw it after... I had joined Tumblr and I didn't join Tumblr until I was watching Supernatural and I live watched season 10. So I'm thinking it's around about seasons 9, 10, 11 maybe. But uh, if anyone knows, like link, actually if anyone knows, if they know the post I'm about to talk about, link me to it because I'd love to have it somewhere where we can share it and like credit the OP and things. And I would love to show Jamie. But basically they're obviously the fandom loves to analyze this show to the nth degree. That's why we're doing this podcast because but also isn't I there need an outlet um <laughs> a set design like little easter egg that's like you guys read too much into this that's exactly what i was just gonna say yeah. yeah so it's but the funny thing about that is that the fact that they put that in there like proves that you proves should, probably that be you should into be, yeah it's like well you put that in there why would you hide easter eggs if you didn't want us to find them? For easter eggs that would be like taylor swift being like 
Um, no, I actually didn't want you to read the capitalized letters in my lyric book and put together the words that I've hidden in there. Actually, no, in the man music video, there was no significance to the fact that a man was peeing on a wall that had a no scooter sign and all of my old art, like, yeah. record If found, please return to Taylor Swift. Like, like you're that was completely irrelevant. Yeah. Why would you guys even look at that? I don't know what you're Why would you think that was any sort of <laughs> message at all? Oh, God. Anyway, the point is... Yes, the set design is actually one of the strongest suits, and there are some really great things that, if you're paying attention, you'll notice. Actually, in there's an episode called Lazarus Rising, yeah, and some of the, particularly the lighting and set design choices of that episode in particular, like I have saved posts to our Tumblr to show you after you've watched that episode, so that I can be like, okay, we're going to talk about this lighting, and in case you didn't notice it, here is an image of it, and like I'm not kidding. <laughs> Because sometimes the choices are so... Is it too late to quit? No. Um, <laughs> but if you do, I'll cry. <laughs> I never want you to be here against your will. But it will crush me if you leave. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. I'm getting ahead of myself. I wanted to make a disclaimer. If you've listened to our podcast thus far, you know that I binge watched the first 10 seasons in like a couple of weeks over the summer school holidays when I was like 14. And then live watch from season 10 on. And that explains her entire personality. Yes, it does. The thing is about binge watching is that sometimes you fall asleep. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm pretty sure I fell asleep for this episode. Because I started watching it and I was like, huh, I don't remember this. And I remember like three scenes from this entire episode. I remember the scene with... Bobby and Ruby shooting yeah. at the bag. I remember that very vaguely. And then Bobby shooting Ruby, which was yeah. iconic. <laughs> and I remembered I remembered the scene where Sam has the gun and he like is like, oh sorry, misunderstanding. I remembered the end yeah. of that scene. And I think I the which only that entire scene just radiates like perfection. We'll oopsie come back doopsie to vibes. <laughs> Oopsie doopsie vibes. We'll we'll come back to these, but I just wanted to get it out there. I think the only other thing I remember from that episode was maybe remembering Dean having the discussion with the demon, but not in any detail. Yeah. The other thing is that season three is probably the season I have watched the least, because when I binged it, it was my least favourite of the Kripke era. Going back to it, I'm like, oh, I feel like I was kind of harsh on it. And it was probably because I just spent three days binging seasons one and two and I was probably a little bit fatigued from Supernatural and yet I just continued to watch it anyway instead of taking a break which is what I probably should have done. So between seemingly having fallen asleep for some parts of this season and the fact that I don't think I've ever gone back and rewatched it fully, my knowledge here is actually relatively limited. So if I'm ever talking and usually the idea of our podcast is Jamie doesn't really know what's happening and I'm supposed to know there may be some points where I'm like yeah I don't fucking know (laughs) and I just wanted to put that out there in case you're listening to me talk and going hmm Bethany uh, I don't know if that's correct and it's probably because I've forgotten what happens next oopsie doopsie oopsie doopsie energy from Bethany so look disclaimer over yeah I might have some gaps in my knowledge but look we'll we'll all learn together and maybe I'll binge watch season three by myself after we record this. Uh, and fall so asleep that... during half the episode so you don't remember them anyway. Perfect plan. Look, I at least know that I really remember seasons four and five. 
So, <laughs> uh, we just got to get through season three and then I'll be right. I'll be back on track. Okay, so you touched on a lot of things there. I did. I, I do think maybe we should move on to Sam in the, like, this is not a robbery equivalent of this scene. <laughs> I which, love this. I want to tie this back to the usual suspects because Sam just <laughs> leaves the gun there, fingerprints all fucking over it. I knew you were going to bring this up. This is why him leaving the fingerprints at the usual suspects reads as incompetence and not confidence. Because he's now, we now have a, a canonical example of him leaving his fingerprints. Just at the crime scene. At the crime scene on a fucking gun. I know. And it's not like they didn't see him. <laughs> Although I just credit, credit to Jared's facial journeys. In this whole episode, actually, but this scene in particular is just, especially after just coming off the back of Bad Day at Black Rock, cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> they were really like, hey, Jared, for these two episodes, you don't know anything that's happening to you. <laughs> You're just gonna try your best. <laughs> Permanently confused and uncomfortable the entire episode. And it comes straight off of Black Rock, which is the exact mm-hmm. same vibe from mm-hmm. the moment that he loses the goddamn rabbit's foot. Yeah. Look, there is so much happening in these this episode. I feel like we could talk about it for, like, three hours. And we've really only got, like, we try to keep these to an hour max. Yeah. Doesn't work all the time, but that's the goal. Uh, this might be a long one. This might be a long one. But, yes, no. Sorry. Grab a drink. Get cozy. Yeah, get a cup of tea. Settle yeah. in. I will say, chicken salt's back. Isn't it? <laughs> Every time I see salt for now, I just think chicken salt. It literally, yeah, me too. Like, ever since you mentioned that, I'm like, oh, it does. It's literally, it, every time I see it now, I'm like, oh, fuck, I want some chips. I'm like, I just want hot chicken chips. Salt. And gravy, and just, mm, mm, yes. I, I'm still baffled by the fact that it's always like a little tiny pile of sulfur. I know, very and conveniently. Like, I just kind of wish it was more like, sort of like a film. Like, they would look at yeah. the, the windows or something and see it was kind of cloudy and like, like run their finger down and, and then, then get see the, the yellow clump and then be like sulfur. Mm. I think that would have been better because it's like tiny little piles of I know. chicken salt. I love the idea Everywhere. that someone in like set design or whatever has to go with like their little pot of I don't even know what they would use, but no, and just like do a little sprinkled ankle just to like mm. pop it down there. Yeah, no, I feel like you're correct. I feel like having, like, a film over, like, everything would be way more It might have been harder, though, for the production Yeah, and it also may not show up that well on film, depending on, like, circumstance. Because I think up to season three or four, I can't remember. I'd have to check. But the first couple of seasons were actually shot on film, Uh, not digital. I think it was, like, the CW had one studio remaining or, like, there was, like, wherever they were filming, there was one studio that had the old-style film cameras left and they used them because they liked the effect for the show, yeah. which I also think is partly why, like, the, the, the graininess and, like, the low light of the original, like, couple yeah. of seasons, I think is also in part due to that. And then they swapped to digital at some point, And I can't remember at what point that swap is. I don't know if it is maybe when they go from seasons five to six that the swap happens. But anyway, so whether or not it would have shown up particularly well. But I think that's why you do the, like, film and then you... Show with the finger. finger. Yeah, yeah. But And then it's also kind of like a mystery because the viewer can't tell Mm. until they... But anyway, uh, yeah. I can see why from a production standpoint it would be harder because you'd have to do sort of, like, 
a layer over everything, which yeah. maybe props wouldn't be the happiest <laughs> about. But yeah, I, fa- I found it very funny. There's just like tiny little... Little little piles of the piles chicken, chicken salt. salt. Yeah. That it's now chicken salt in our podcast. Moving forward, we will never refer to it as sulfur again. It's chicken salt. It doesn't smell like eggs. It tastes like deliciousness. <laughs> oh, very quickly before we move off of like set design and stuff, the fucking mirror ceiling. Did they make a point of twice? twice. <laughs> also, the dungeon. Yeah. Interior design goals. I have Beautiful. so many questions about that decision. Well, it's it's meant to be a basement. First and foremost, like it is actually, yeah. like, it does make sense for it to be underground. It is meant to be a basement. The thing that confuses me is that they never, the way that they shoot the shots of people coming into that space, like down it's the like, stairs, it doesn't look like they've come from the main house. It no. looks like they've opened the front door and that's just the house. <laughs> like, and then she's like, make yourself comfortable. I'm like, on what? The wet stone or the empty barrels? <laughs> Like, in what world? Men are stupid and horny. That is the only way that this ploy works. Because no one should walk into a house, see that the person they're there to hook up with is leading them into a that, and be like, yeah, this is safe and normal. (laughs) Like, no. Which we should talk about the other demon hunter briefly in this too. Richie. Richie. Follows her down, then realises she's a demon when she does the weird black eye demon thing. Yes. I have a couple of questions. Go about nuts. the weird black-eyed demon thing. I would love to attempt to answer them. One, do they control it? Because sometimes, like, when she's, like, demonstrating, oh, no, you fucked up, I'm a demon. Yeah. Like seems Ruby. intentional. Yeah. yeah. Seems intentional, right? But then you also have it, like, the demon can exhale and it happens. As in the case with the demon who's pretending to be the pastor. Because unless it's some weird meta thing... What purpose does he have to do the weird black eye thing when no one's looking at him? Okay, so that obviously I would say is narrative. That's for the benefit of the audience. Yes, they can control it. It's kind of like, so... You You having to think about this is never a good sign for the explanation. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So basically... Means it's not basic or simple. It actually is. I'm just trying to think of the best way to explain it. So... Essentially, it is something that they have control over. They can choose to show that they are the demon by revealing the black eyes. That's something that they have control over. However, if you think back to, like, Phantom Traveler, when they started spraying all the holy water and he's, like, burning. Yeah. When they're in pain, it often, like, comes out because they've lost that control. They don't... I'm pretty sure... I don't think they ever explicitly explain it, but my understanding would be that they have to have some level of, like, conscious control to keep that disguise up. Okay, so what you're telling me is when the priest sighs and his black eyes are revealed, he's, like, in pain because this dude is so fucking stupid he's about to get in a car. It's it's the exasperation. Yeah. It's just like... (sighs) Like, Lord, give me strength. Sorry, (laughs) Lucifer, give me strength. I was just going to say the same. Yeah, literally. So I think it's just a matter of him being, like, he just... I think narratively is to show the audience so that they're like, oh, no, Sam's in danger. But if you wanted to find a character reason for it, I think it's a just, oh, my God, this is just taking all of my fucking willpower not to snap this dumbass's neck right now. I just need to, like, let myself relax for, like, one second deep breath. Okay, now I'm going to psych myself up to deal with it. Like, I think it must take some Yeah, because also he can't just murder Sam. Because that's the other thing we learn in this episode. 
Like, well, he could just murder Sam. Like, it would be very easy. There is no reason to not murder Sam. Uh, <laughs> other than if he murdered Sam, there are political consequences yeah. to murdering Sam. Yeah. Because Sam is meant to be the leader. Mm. So if he murders Sam, he gets put in a position where suddenly all the other demons want to murder him because he's yeah. killed the leader. He's the de facto leader, sort of thing. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Azazel or whatever. Azazel. Azazel. Yes. Fucking finally. They gave us his damn name. Do you know how insane it has been driving me to have to say fucking Yellow Eyes or the Yellow Eyed Demon or the... De- his name is fucking Azazel. I don't know if they just got to this point in the series and were like, oh yeah, we should give him a name because we're also sick of just saying the Yellow Eyed Demon over and over again. Because like... His name is not particularly relevant. No. Like, there is no reason why we couldn't have had this name from it's, season one. It's not like his name was fucking Lucifer or something. Yeah. Which has, like, all sorts all like, of, like, really obvious right? connotations. Yeah, it's not like it was something that, like, we, we would notice specifically. Like, Azazel, it's, yeah. it, wouldn't, it wouldn't give away some massive fucking plot thing yeah. to know his name. Like, Azazel has... A religious name, it has connotations within religion. But yeah, it's not like But Lucifer. it's not like Lucifer where it's like, oh, well, if you told us it was Lucifer earlier, we would have been would like... Have different. Immediately yeah. like, wow. Treating yeah. it differently. Yeah. Exactly. And so, thank fuck, they finally... I don't know if it was literally they were just like writing this episode and they were like... They go to write the yellow-eyed demon and then we're like, oh, for fuck... Sure. Well, like, we have a demon named Meg. We've got a demon named Ruby. Sure. <laughs> Surely we could just give this fucker a name. <laughs> like, they could have made him Todd and I wouldn't have cared. Like, I just I just wanted to call him other something other than the yellow eyed demon, and I'm so fucking glad that I get to now. I, I could have told you his name this whole time, but like I wanted it to be organic. Yeah. Though I will say about the demon in this episode. Yes. That he gets trapped with. She is like the millennial struggle, incredible power, still stuck in customer service. <laughs> I really like, so obviously a lot of the time when the boys are like interacting with the demons, yeah, there's always some kind of like play going on, like yeah. someone's playing the other, or if, if they have an alliance, it tends to be like quite a fraught one, like yeah. it's like definitely like a one-timer kind of thing. tentative. This kind of changes with other characters as we go through the series, but especially at this point when they don't really know demons beyond yeah. like the sort of three that we've had them interact with on a more regular basis like Azazel, Meg and now Ruby. Yeah. They're still very wary. I kind of like that they sort of use the narrative device of like having Dean and this demon physically trapped and unable to do anything but just kind of sit around and chat. And also physically unable to hurt each other. Yeah. Because Dean loses his way of exercising her and she cannot physically get out of the trap. circle so yeah. Like, neither one can kill the other to help improve their chances of survival. Yeah. But they also can't get out. They're just sort of, like, stuck there. And as she says, like, it doesn't come down to them. Yeah, exactly. And I I really think that it was actually quite a clever, like, choice to have that happen. And I think that the discussion they have is very interesting for a number of reasons. But I think maybe what is the most interesting thing about it, and I think that's saying a lot because they cover a fair few topics i think the most interesting thing for me is that by the end when sam and the father get there mm. both dean and the demon 
request of their respective like co-conspirator to not hurt the other yeah like the demon says don't kill dean and dean tries to get sam to not kill the demon yeah and i think that is fascinating because if you had said at the start of the episode dean winchester would be defending a demon and telling sam not to kill it unthinkable i think it's also that dean sort of realizes having a powerful demon as an ally is going to help not sam not get killed yeah. If that makes sense. Because she is a resource of an incredible amount of information or whatever. And if she's to be able to believe, she said, I was ready to follow Sam. If Sam steps off the plate, theoretically, he could end the war. Theoretically. I don't know all of the factors at play here. But theoretically, he could use his position of power over the demon army to at least yeah. minimise the damage of the war. And it's interesting because she actually points out, because, like, you know, Dean says... Like, thank God that Sam didn't step up. Yeah. And she makes the point of, like, you think that's a good thing? Yeah. You realise we've now got this this army of demons with no one to follow. They're all fighting for power. She's like, you know, it's chaos. Yeah. If Sam had taken the mantle, there wouldn't be chaos because yeah. he would just be telling them. And, you know, and, yeah, she makes the point. She was ready to follow Sam. Hmm. They would have fallen into step behind him if yeah. he had chosen that. And it's this really interesting idea where, like, obviously up to this point in the show, we've been like, well, we don't want Sam involved with the demons because the demons yeah. are bad and that would be terrible and that, that would make Sam evil. But looking at it from that other perspective, she makes a good point where she's like, no, there would be less chaos. There'd be less random killing. There would be less, yeah. there would be more order if Sam had, you know. But then it's also that balance of like, okay, there may actually be more damage if they were coordinated and organising yeah. because instead of spending all their energy on infighting and vying for power yeah. between them... If they unionise. If they unionise <laughs> and they just started killing huge amounts of people. But that would require Sam telling them to do that. That's yeah. the other thing. So it all it all comes back to But then it's Sam. like, could Sam be corrupted like Ava was? Yeah, exactly. Which Ava should have been queen. Ava... Fucking- Justice for Ava. Oh my god. Ava would have... She would have taken over the world in like 30 minutes flat. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, no. And so it's this really fascinating... And you can make so many arguments for so many different sides of it. Because then at the end of this episode, we have the discussion between Sam and Ruby. And their relationship is really interesting as well. Because Sam hates her, Mm -hmm. right? But he can't kill her. Because there's a chance she might be useful. Mm. And she knows that. So she pushes his buttons and he lets her. And it's like this very interesting... I, I, I don't think it, it's a spoiler no, for think... me to say that she's in the show. Like, she's she's not going to just disappear yeah. after right now. Like, it develops a little bit more. She, um... I do think it's very interesting, though, because this episode, I think, does support my theory that sort of she is helping Sam to help herself. Like, I think it definitely provides more support and context. Like... She's clearly got a political angle that she's vying for in the whole demon army thing. And they all do. Yeah. There's a reason that she's trying to sort of buddy up with Sam so that she can use Sam to gain power within the the she, in, so like you're saying like in her mind, if Sam chose to step up, mm. she wants to be his like right hand man yeah. kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. And also I think she's thinking if she gets close enough to Sam, she can both become his right hand yeah and b push him 
into the position of power to become the leader of hell so that then she by default becomes the right hand of the leader of hell yeah putting her in a position of significant power that definitely falls in line with what we know about demons so far and i think that you're right i think at this point the text does support that as well so i'm interested to see how like you continue to think of ruby as like as we go on because there's like I think this episode really opens up. There's like a lot of factors at play yeah. here, like a lot more than has sort of previously been. I guess a lot more factors are actually identified in this episode. Yeah. Like we've known that there's a lot of stuff going on in the background we don't really understand, mm. but now we're hearing about it from like a primary source. We're going, we're getting a lot more sort of. Like, and also, oh, we're starting this is what's to happening. treat demons as a group of individuals versus a monolith. Because yeah. up to this point, it's been like every demon's basically had the same mission, whereas. Mm-hmm. Now we're learning they have different... Like, some of them believe in Lucifer instead yeah. of God, which is weird. Yeah, I think I think the thing with that is, if they believe in Lucifer, they have to, by default, believe in God. Yeah. Because for Lucifer's story to fall makes sense, then yeah. he has to have fallen from God. Yeah. So I think it's less about what they believe in. If they believe in one, they have to believe in the other. But yeah, it's but also... Which one of them they choose to devote themselves to. Yeah. And I think it's very interesting to that they're starting to treat it as sort of like some of them are believers, some of them are not. Mm. They're all sort of like going out making deals with people, trying to get babies and shit, and <laughs> souls and yeah. There's, so there's a lot going on behind the scenes, and yeah. again, like the conversation that Dean is having with this demon in in the dungeon, I think it's really interesting the point that they make about I think what does she say? You think humans have the monopoly or something on a higher power yeah and i i like this idea that that she sort of compares demons to people yeah and it's like saying well you guys are allowed to have a higher power that you believe in and you would devote yourself to why can't we yeah like what's the big difference here dean like really and then he's like well demons are evil she's like all right he's like you know lucifer's the devil she's like uh your word's not ours like she's like there's two perspectives here and you're looking at it from yours which is fine but like consider mine and it's, like, really interesting because, like we were saying before, we've never had an opportunity for them to really have a discussion with a demon where they're both aware of who they are in the situation, they're aware of the circumstances they're in, and they're not actively trying to murder each other. Yeah. Like, it's the only way that they've ever actually been able to have a conversation and get to know the other side mm. a little bit more. And I just think it is so interesting to have have the opportunity to look at the other perspective. Yeah. And for Dean to have to come to terms with the other perspective as well. And like I said, by the end of the conversation, they have this like interesting sort of mutual respect for each other Mm. that definitely didn't exist at the start of the conversation. And I will say this, demons are very good for the economy. (laughs) Insanely good for the economy. What a... God, what an interesting meta-analysis. Like... (laughs) In this small town, it went from being a boarded up factory town where no one's spending money... To a booming economy of... To a booming economy of... I mean, mind you, not great industries. Yeah. Industries that have a lot of issues inherently associated with them. Yeah. Because I don't think, like, I don't think sex work is inherently evil. No. I don't think alcohol is inherently evil. I don't think gambling is inherently evil. I think they do, however, have a lot of issues associated with them, especially in the way they are regulated in this episode, particularly. Legal. The legal connotations and the way they're regulated, by and large, yeah, I think is a good way to probably look at it. Yeah. One other thing, I just very quickly want to mention. Yeah. While we're still talking about this scene, when 
The demon tells Dean that everyone says Sam is the brains of the operation, and he turns around and goes, everybody? And he just... (laughs) I just... I want to point out, though, that he literally used somebody's phone's GPS to track them. Yeah! In 2008. (laughs) I just... I've... I hate when people imply that they think Dean is stupid. And it happens in fandom too a little bit. I just, it really rubs me up the wrong way. Because he's not. Like, he's just not. He's very intelligent. He's very capable. He's not academic. That doesn't mean he's not smart. They're two very different fields. And even in saying that, like, we have no canonical evidence that would show that he wouldn't be academic either. He just never really went to school. And actually, I would argue that some canon assumes that if Dean had been raised not by a John, he absolutely would have gone into higher education. And we'll get to that in a couple of seasons. But I, I just, it drives me crazy when people imply that he's stupid or like when they, they, they do this a lot, actually, where they, the, the insult to Dean is that Sam is the smart one and he's just kind of the brawn. It upsets me every time because I'm like, Sam is more than his brain and Dean is more than his brawn. And it. I understand the stereotypes they were going for in terms of character dynamics, but it does make me mad. <laughs> Especially because they didn't actually commit to those yeah, exactly. stereotypes for the character like, dynamic. Exactly. Anyway. It's one thing if it's actually canonically supported. It's another thing for it to be like just a jab they're sort of using for no reason based on no actual evidence. Okay, I think I should probably get into some theories for this Ooh, week. you've got theories? I, look, we learned a lot of information. I feel like you were going to ask me if I didn't bring it up myself. You know what? So let's get it over with. I actually wasn't going to ask you. But okay, I, so we're moving on. No, 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 no. You've done it now. You've done it now. I want to know everything. I love when you tell me you've got a theory. So Dean brought it up again that he thinks maybe Sam is different. Yes, I did want to talk about that conversation with Bobby at the very end. Bobby at the very end. Yes. I have a theory about okay. m- maybe maybe what happened to Sam. Okay. That's why he's different. Okay. I don't know how time works in the supernatural universe. I don't think supernatural knows how time works in the supernatural universe, so you're all good. It's a theory that maybe time passes quicker in hell. So the couple of hours Sam spent in hell in our time. Our time. In normal people, Earth time. Yeah. Was significantly more time he spent in hell. Interesting. So maybe he was down there like being tortured or some shit. <laughs> and even if he doesn't actually remember it, oh. it's changed him. So it's like in his subconscious almost. Yeah. I love that. I have a question for you. Okay. Do we know that Sam was in hell? Oh, so you're thinking, like, you're suggesting maybe it was a Buffy situation. It, well, I'm not suggesting anything. I'm just saying we don't actually know. And, like, know. Dean's ripped him back from hell. <laughs> you, you're, <laughs> not, you're not yeah, upset. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what I'm saying is we don't know where Sam was for those couple so hours. So I sort of assumed that he would be in hell because of the whole, like... Because of the plot. Yeah, plot, demon, blood, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that plot, makes sense. Plot, 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 convenience, 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 supernatural, supernatural, yeah. supernatural, yes. <laughs> So I was sort of assuming either either way either fascinating. way is fascinating if the time passes differently differently in yeah. the afterlife versus in life. Do you think it would pass faster or slower? So I was thinking that it would pass like faster. So like one day in our time is like a week in their time. Oh, kind Not of. Not necessarily that scale, but like that sort of is what yeah. I'm referring to. 
Oh, okay, cool. You know what I mean? Yes. So, like, you could theoretically so like be in hell. Year. Yeah, you could theoretically be in hell for, like, four years their time, but come back and it's, like, the next day. Interesting. Yeah. That's very cool. Because okay. you've got to imagine that because you're there for eternity. Yeah. It feels, even if it doesn't necessarily pass quicker or slower, it feels different. Actually, it's interesting because, yeah, you say eternity. I wonder if time is measured as yeah. such in... Cause, I mean, in the afterlife. Like, we measure, yeah. like, we measure, like, the year by, like, Earth's rotation around the sun. Yeah. But heaven and hell are not extensions yeah. of Earth, really. They're, I guess... This isn't really explained by the show, so I'm kind of just, like, making my own this assumptions is not, here. But, like, yeah. heaven and hell are not just... I would assume... Like, you can't just, like, get an elevator. Like, in my mind, they're different planes of existence. Yes. Yeah. Right? So they're not, like, of Earth. They're separate. You can access them, but they are not attached to the planet. So I wonder... And the only way to access them is through either specific gates yeah. that change your dimension or through Reapers. Yeah. Because they seem to be sort of the other gateway. Yes. So I'm pretty sure thinking... Uh, through the show in general, I'm fairly certain that everything is always some sort of gate or, like, portal-esque scenario or, yeah, like a reaper. I'm pretty sure they're the only ways yeah. you move between. Yeah, because even um, there's a scene in the third to last episode where they move from one place to another, but even then it's, like, a door that is created. So I yeah. guess that would still count as, like, a gate or a... Or a portal. So, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the only way. You can't just, like, dig down and get to yeah. hell eventually. <laughs> and there's no, like, literal, like, there's no literal stairway to heaven. Yeah. So. It's not a literal place. It's like an alternate plane of existence. Yeah, yeah. So I think, and that goes for some other So therefore well. it would be certainly a possibility for time to, to be operate different. different. Yeah, because if you're not rotating, like, who's to say heaven and hell even have day and night? Yeah. Because if you're not rotating around the sun. Hmm. What's to define day and night, yeah. really? Yeah. So no, that's very interesting. Did you have any other theories, or was that was that the one? That was the one. I think I had another theory, but I think I forgot. Because yeah, for Sam to be different, mm-hmm. I feel like there's two ways that you've got to, like two ways that he could change. Yeah. One is because he had some sort of experience that's changed him. Yeah. The other is that some part of him has been altered in some way. Okay. Like so, either it's his experiences or like. I don't know, he's lost his fucking soul or something. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, just misplaced just, it on the, in transit. Yeah. yeah. Um, or, like, so it's, it's it's either, like, he's sort of, like, some element of him has changed or he has had some experience that even if he doesn't remember it has altered him. Impacted him. Or, or even it could be, like, some sort of, like, law mumbo-jumbo, like, you know, being in hell has amplified his demon blood or some <laughs> fucking shit yeah, like that. Yeah. So, like, you think that he had some kind of either experience or, like, not alteration, I guess, but, like, yeah. something has happened to Sam in yeah. that yeah. sort of time period. Okay. Whether it's and just it exposure been... to chicken salt really <laughs> ups the level of demon blood. Like, <laughs> surrounded, Sam's hell is literally him just being surrounded by low-sodium freaks. <laughs> He's just craving the chicken salt. Okay, cool. No, that's a very cool theory. While we are on the sort of conversation about heaven and hell and, and Dean being concerned and things. I do want to touch on him saying that knowing he's going to die has been kind of liberating. 
I don't think there's a huge amount to say. Like, there's a lot to say, but I feel like we've sort of touched on a lot of it already before. But I just wanted to mention it because it does kind of come back to... We've been talking about how he's sort of taking a bunch of unnecessary risks and things in earlier episodes this season. And it is sort of because he's like, well, I'm going to die anyway, so what is there to lose? And I just thought it was interesting that they had him actually, like, vocalise it. And also him, like, genuinely asking what hell is like. Yeah. Knowing that that's where he's going to go. You can, and he's saying, oh, I'm not scared. And he's trying to play it off like, oh, yeah, like, just curious. Like, what's the weather yeah. like, you know? But, like, he's fucking terrified. Yeah. He's just, it's, he's, it's performing at being okay. Mm. And, yeah, I just thought it was uh, interesting. And also, she asks him, do you believe in God, Dean? And he says that he'd like to. Which is very interesting because it's super different to the other responses that we've had from him regarding faith when he's been talking about it with like Sam or someone else. Mm. Ties back into what we've talked about quite a bit actually at this point of Dean would love to believe in God, but to believe in God would to believe that there was a God and that the world is still suffering as it is. Yeah, which brings us actually back to the quote from the very start of the episode Andy, who the father and the nun watched. Which, mind you, I hear the word Andy. I'm like, is is he back? He's alive? (laughs) Yeah, my boy Andy. Right? Andy Andy and Ava. We miss both of them. But his quote right before he unfortunately takes his own life is, God's not with us, not anymore. He can't help us. And if he can, he won't. And that... So God's decided to go into hiding like a wimp like John Winchester. Literally on a bender. (laughs) (laughs) So... That quote, I think, combined with what we've talked about before with Dean and his relation to faith and with him saying to the demon in this episode, like, I would like to believe in God. I think it was just really fascinating seeing all of those sort of threads come together because I think it does, I I think it all ties together very nicely, narratively, and for his character as well. And also considering Dean is a character who many, many, many characters at this point have been like, God is watching you, God is Mm -hmm. blah, blah. A lot of people have inserted God sentiments and basically said you are like God's chosen child. Which yeah. I think it'd be really hilarious if they did something with that down the line and it is actually like God's <laughs> chosen child, which I have a feeling may come to pass because I know there is a whole like God shows up storyline and is focusing on yeah. the Winchesters, but like Yeah. Dean was not John's favourite, but he's God's favourite. <laughs> uh, I think that would be fucking hilarious if like you know how, like, Sam... At this point, it sort of seems like Sam's kind of been, like, chosen by the devil. Like, <laughs> Sam's been... He was a cho- chosen by Azazel. Like, yeah. he was chosen to be the leader. Like, he was he was Azazel's favourite. Yeah. The, the Canonically, Azazel's favourite. Canonically, yeah. Azazel's favourite. The dichotomy of him being Azazel's <laughs> favourite with Dean being God's favourite would be fucking hilarious. <laughs> or maybe not God's favourite. Maybe, like, God's second lieutenant. Because God's gone. Like, yeah. maybe he's been fed angel blood when he was a child. Like, was maybe like Mary made a deal and was like, I'll get one angel-blessed child and one demon-blessed child. <laughs> or even Mary telling Dean that angels are watching over him. Like, yeah, it's it's so funny. I you love, can't tell me I'm wrong. So, so what you're saying is you think that, like, so, like, Sam's been chosen by the devil. Yeah. Right? So, like, Lucifer. Yeah. And then you, so God's right hand man would be what, like, one of, because Lucifer's an archangel. Yeah. So, like, one of the other archangels? Who are the uh, archangels? Hang on. Oh, fuck. I'll Google I can't the list. <laughs> let's, let's Google up, let's, let's choose an archangel 
for Dean to be their favourite. Because I feel like it's unfair that okay. Sam gets to be someone's favourite. Uh, Michael, Raphael, Gabriel, Uriel, Sarah Quayle, R- Ragwai, and R- Remiel. They're the ones that, that's what Archangel Not Wikipedia Castiel? says. Not Cassiel. <laughs> no, actually the theory is that he's based on an angel named Cassiel. C-A-S-S-I-E-L. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which okay. Is, I think that's where I think that's where the Caspini Angel of Thursday Thursdays thing came from. from. Okay. Yeah. Hang on. I'll Google it. Let's find out. Cassiel. Cassiel, sometimes written as Castiel, is the Angel of Thursday. He can also be known as the Angel of Tears and the Angel of Temperance. Oh, this is specifically um, a, an article that was written about supernatural. So Ooh, that's yeah. <laughs> Not the. So that could. Just is be... that perhaps why they spelled Cass's name with two S's? <gasps> Fucking maybe. Oh, that annoys me because I hate when it's spelt with two S's. And this would actually be a logical reason oh, why you spell two S's. I, mm, that makes me mad. <laughs> anyway, anyway. It's so sad to me that he's the angel of tears. What the fuck? <laughs> anyway. Okay. I only knew one. It's going to be Michael. He's Michael's favourite. Okay? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> okay. Sure. So we've got... Is that is that the end of your predictions and theories? Or do you have something else to go with? I don't know. Maybe maybe Mary was like, ah, oh, yes, I want a guardian angel for my first child. <laughs> and they were like, oh, yeah, but the deal is your second one gets a guardian demon. She was like, done. <laughs> done. Sign me the fuck up. Okay, hang on. So so to recap, to recap yeah. your theories yeah. at, as they stand at present based on this episode and previous, you think that Sam spent time in hell. Yeah. The time of which moves faster than that of earth therefore even though sam was only dead for like well like 12 hours on yeah. earth you think he'd be maybe it was so, like 12 months or some shit like that. oh like, sure so like, like there's some kind of ratio there yeah. where he was there a lot longer and you think that's why he's acting a bit funky yeah okay got you and additionally yeah you think that now the angels are out playing there. favorites yeah <laughs> michael has picked dean and yeah. lucifer has picked sam yeah okay cool did I miss anything, or does that nicely sum up your your theories? You missed the whole Mary makes a deal. For, okay, sure. <laughs> so, so, so she gets a guardian angel. Oh, it's and all then, Mary's fault. It's all Mary's fault, yeah. I love that that theory makes John this just, like, unnecessary side piece. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> well, that's what the show's done to Mary, so Ooh, it's only fair. Ain't that the truth? Uh, oh, also, I think that God's just gone on a bender, like John bender. and Jester. Okay, beautiful. I love that. To be... <laughs> Completely, like, to be clear, I don't believe half of that. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> in case the giggling was not enough of an indication, I'm only this is, half this serious is about life. half of it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, like, also that would tie into, like, my maybe it's a genealogy sort of thing. Mm. And it's, like, a genetics. Mm. Like, maybe there is some sort of, like, because, like, all, like, demons, well, not demons, but, like, most of the traditional demons were originally angels. So it makes yeah. sense that if it's a genetic trait, the same genetic trait could be used by both angels and, and demons. demons. Yeah. So well, because I think Lucifer was the original demon, yeah. and then he met. Well, he he was never a demon. Lucifer was the archangel Angel. who fell. Yeah. And then he, in spite of his father's love for humans, twisted them into demons. I think yeah. is the big yikes. <laughs> big yikes. But yes, so I'm pretty sure that was the sort of sequence. Yeah. Look, that would very very, very briefly. Yeah. I think that's the sequence of events. So that's the good secret supernatural that lives in your head, yeah. but you don't believe it's real. 
I don't have faith in them to do okay. anything that makes logical sense or anything that's even slightly like, oh, yeah, that makes... Moving on from that, but not super far on from that, okay. I did really want to talk about the Sarah Gamble long con a little bit. Obviously, yeah. she was not involved in this episode to, like, she wasn't writing it or anything. It was yeah. actually Singer and Carver, which yeah. I don't think I've ever mentioned to you. Carver has an era. Uh, I realised, I didn't. I don't think I told you, Carver's era is uh, seasons 8, 9, 10. Yeah, you have mentioned the Carver uh-huh. era, or but we you... haven't really talked about it in depth. Like, we've talked about the Sarah Gamble era quite a bit, because yeah. I'm, at this point, like, I, she is one of the writers who is, like, if I spot her name, I'm like, oh, I recognise that writer. Like, we've talked about her enough that I'm like, oh, yeah, I recognise. And, like, I obviously know a singer because, uh... He's through all of it. He's from literally, like, I think... Also, he literally from... named a character after himself. So, uh, I did, I know that we made a joke about that being a real ego thing, but I did hear after that, that apparently Bobby was supposed to be named after both Robert Singer and Kim Manners, but there was some sort of legal thing where every combination they had of their names was actually another, like an actual person and they couldn't name them that. So they ended up just going with Bobby Singer because it was different enough from Robert. Yeah. And then they didn't think Bobby was going to be around for more than that, like one episode. So the fact that he became an ongoing character was not intentional and apparently Robert Singer actually has said that he would not have let them name the character after him if he realised that he was going to be a fan favourite around for years. So (laughs) I will, disclaimer, I had not heard that prior to us speaking about it initially. I actually heard, I'm pretty sure KJ from uh, Supernatural Opinions brought that up. So, But no, and yeah, I had heard... Briefly, like, you'd laid out the eras yeah. for me. And yeah. I'm pretty sure you did mention the Carver era. Yeah. And that, so, but we haven't talked about it in depth. No. So, but I thought it was just because we've mentioned it before. Other than it was apparently generally pretty, at least season eight was pretty well regarded, which is what didn't really help the Gamble era as the two sort of awkwardly sandwiched seasons between two generally well regarded seasons. Yeah. Personally, and this is this is personal preference here, Here's the thing. When I talk about favourites and least favourite seasons in Supernatural, it's really, really hard. Because when you go back through the seasons, there are, like, character arcs and particular episodes that stand out where I'm, like, phenomenal. But there are other arcs and things where I'm, like, I fucking hate this. Which is why, Unfortunately, like... Unfortunately, this one really great plot arc is surrounded by trash. Yeah. <laughs> so, for me, season 11 overall, I think, is my least favourite season. Not because we don't get some incredible standalone episodes. Not because we don't have some incredible fucking characters introduced. Not because there aren't really great plot lines going on. But because there are just a couple of things that just fuck me off so much through the whole season that it just, it taints it for me. Though, and to be fair, when we rewatch it as part of the podcast, because we're spacing it out, it's your, what, your first full rewatch of Supernatural as a whole. Yeah. So it I might, might feel different about it. Like but season three memory, you feel better about than you did originally. Yeah, exactly. So maybe, and when actually I rewatch season... Or you may hate it more. I might. Well, I guess we'll see. So yeah, so it's it's hard to identify, oh, this is my least or, you know, this is my least favourite yeah. or my most favourite. Anyway, anyway, I just realised that the last nine episodes of this season go Sarah Gamble, Jeremy Carver... Ben Edland, Sarah Gamble, Jeremy Carver, Sarah Gamble, Ben Edland, Jeremy Carver, Sarah Gamble, Eric Kripke. <laughs> I'm very excited. <laughs> Do you think all the other writers were just on strike? Probably. Because I'm pretty sure all of them are um, executive, like co-executive producers yeah. at this point. So they would probably be the ones who are on staff. Yeah. Less likely to go on strike. Okay, let's talk about the special effects for a bit. Okay. Because 
you know me. Mm, I know. When you say let's talk about the special effects, I never expect the conversation to be positive. <laughs> I've, I've, I've pretty much given up on that. It's always a pleasant surprise when you say, I liked this. I hated a couple of the special effects in this episode. Yeah. First up, when they confront the demon pretending to be the priest, and he does the hand wavy thing, the shot oh. of Bobby flying out of screen, so bad. It kind of looks like they put a man- like a hat and some flannel on a mannequin and just yeeted him across the field. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a choice. Do you know what I do love, though? When the demon- Dean traps the demon in the devil's trap, And he, like, goads her in and she, like, tries to jump at him and she, like, hits the invisible force field and goes back. I thought that looked incredible. Yeah. Doesn't mean I forgive it for the effect they (laughs) used for the gunshots, though. (laughs) The red glowing light and the smoke. Oh, when the cult. Yeah. Look, at least they didn't do slow-mo, man. (laughs) They're getting better. Could have been worse isn't a valid reason to say (laughs) it was good. Like, I think the actual work on it is fine. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think it's remarkable. I don't think it's particularly bad. I just hate the concept. Yeah. Like, I don't like that's the way they went about showing... The gun that kills everything, The gun that everything. kills everything, killing everything, you know? Like, out of curiosity, do you know a way that you would have liked it to be done? Like, genuinely out of curiosity, what would be your ideal? My ideal is probably for it to sort of, like, disintegrate into ash from do the you know what? site. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was straight up thinking, like... um the snap in Marvel and they all yeah. just kind of but like less grey more straight up black and straight from the side and like I reckon like kind of coming off in like chunks so like Voldemort at the last Harry Potter no good because I hated that so I'm <laughs> I'm more so meaning like like sort of the Marvel snap effect yeah but instead of just sort of like disintegrating top to bottom yeah from the site where they were shot yeah and then like not so uniform not like dust more like sort of like pieces you know what i mean kind of like um if you cracked a porcelain doll yeah like uh but that combined with like a starve oxygen to a limb and it goes black and it like dies oh you know what i mean like that combined with like the shattering of a porcelain doll i really like that i i do have one small problem with it and it's the same problem it's the same reason i had a problem with the effect they used when voldemort died at the end of the last harry potter movie is the whole point of particularly Voldemort's death was yeah. that you wanted to have the body. Yeah. Like, it was important that you had the body because if his body wasn't there, it kind of just felt like he was still out there somewhere unknowable kind of thing. Yeah. So, like, I feel like when you have a really big villain die, especially if they're the kind of villain who kind of, like, fakes their death before, or there's, like, yeah. there's a supernatural or, like, magical element to them where there is a possibility, I think it does have more weight to have the physical body remain. I think the issue with that as something that you would make limit the special effects in Supernatural is the demons are not the bodies. That's true, because it's actually the people. It's actually the people. So something like that maybe combined with like sulfur releasing or something as like would work actually better because it seems more permanent than just like the bodies laying lifeless because that's exactly what it looks like when you exercise the demon and they're not dead, they're just sent back to hell. That's really interesting. I've never really thought about... Because, like, obviously we know. We know that the body is not the demon. Because we know that they're possessed. That's the whole point. It's really difficult to, like, reason with yourself and remember that the the body that is dead that you're looking at is not the body of the villain. It's actually the body of the victim. Yeah. Um, And especially because you watch your hero 
kill them. Yeah. And so it's kind of like... You, and that's you're... why I think something like a crumbling effect or like a no f- solid body is left behind yeah. effect would work better than the weird like red flashy vein thing they went with. I think it would hit home a lot more that, oh, that's a person dying, which I think would add more to the morality argument that Sam is having with himself. It's almost like he's erasing them from existence. Yeah. By leaving a body, it doesn't feel like you're erasing the demon from existence at all. And I think it hits harder if you erase both the person and the demon from existence. So they have Dean who's really playing up the, oh, Sam is different after I brought him back from hell. He's yeah, not and some of that might blah, be blah, paranoia blah, blah. because Azazel's just put it in his mind. Right, but right. some of it, like, we've had a couple of shots of Sam where it's like, and Dean has mentioned other characters, like, no, that was cold. Like, yeah. that wasn't... It's a bit... He was too removed from that. So I think it would be more obvious almost if it's something that's, like, slightly more horrifying yeah. in terms of the way they die. And then he was sort of, like, still okay. Because, like, he doesn't seem like he's okay. And that seems like a, a proportionate response. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's... So it's not really building onto that sort of, like, narrative level they're trying to build on. There is a weapon that is introduced, I think it's only in one episode, and then they, like, destroy it or something. But basically it's this weapon where if you are struck with it, the better you are, like, if you are, like, a good person, yeah. you will die a more slow and torturous death. Yikes! Yeah. But if you're a bad person, it'll kill you pretty much, like, instantaneously. Like, it's a, it's a weird... It's an interesting episode. It's actually very good. Um, Time to commit some crimes. <laughs> so I think it would be interesting, I guess, stemming on from that, yeah. if, like, Sam had to deal with the... Maybe if, like, the demon was killed instantly, but then he had to deal with the fact that he's left holding this human yeah. body that is dying. Yeah. A bit like a bit like when we first, um, when Meg was first exercised, and they were left with the, or, the woman who Or I think it would trapped. be really, because I can understand from, like, a production standpoint, not being able to do quite anything quite that dramatic, because that would be a decent amount it, of It would yeah. take, like, it would also take, like, five minutes of every single episode to, like, have that dying and have that process, and it's just meant that they can't, like... When yeah. you have a 40-minute episode, you can't devote five minutes of that every single week to the same essential thing, I guess. What I think, though, is stemming from that to do something that's sort of like a midway point and have it be the gunshot mm. and the blood to come out black, that's the demon mm, die, yeah. and then to have but the human... But at some human, point it runs red. Yeah, and then to have the human still sort of, like, trying to gasp for life yeah. as they finish bleeding. So, it. like, if they got shot and you could see the black... Fading like coming from the out eyes. of their eyes, and you can see it coming out the bullet wound. But then yeah. at some point, it changes to run red, and that's when you know the demon is gone. Yeah, but the human is still dying. Yeah, that's oh, and because I can understand why my first idea would be quite expensive from like a production standpoint because that's yeah. a decent amount of CGI to like. But if you're already doing the black yeah. eyes, like I think the issue is it just doesn't feel like they're killing the demon. For me, and I think this is just because of the way the episodes are in- introduce it, but, like, when I'm looking at a... Like, if I'm looking at Ruby, right, for example, mm. I'm looking at a demon named Ruby. I'm not looking at a girl who's possessed by a demon named Ruby. Yeah. Like, in my mind, that's just Ruby. Yeah. So, if I see Ruby die, I'm like, Ruby is dead. I'm not, like, conceptualizing that actually... The human. The human is... Well, there's two deaths happening. And I think a lot of that comes from I'm just desensitized to it because yeah. I've watched 15 seasons of this. 
Do you remember I was saying at the end of the first season, I was talking about how it's like now that they know that and there's that huge moment where Dean kills yeah. a demon and it, like it has his theme and he's going through that whole morality. Yeah. I think I said to you, like, I'm glad that they did that, but also they do drop it off. This is what I mean. Yeah. Like we're aware of it as an audience. They're aware of it as characters, but in terms of like the overall narrative, I just kind of, wish, they yeah. kind of let it slide a bit. I kind of wish they treated it as two death scenes and not one. Yeah, there is a certain... I mean, this goes for any show. There are certainly a lot of things they could have done differently. And like I said, there is always the better supernatural that lives in our heads. And also, hindsight is twenty twenty. Oh, like, yeah. We can watch it with a twenty twenty one lens and think, oh... 2022, let's... even. Oh, fuck. <laughs> it's a new year. I don't like... It's and this is going to be even worse. <laughs> um, but uh, no, so it's, it's very easy to look through like a 2022 lens... And be like, oh, well, story-wise, they could have done this better. Mm. But I do think that's maybe something they should have considered, is, like, doing something that would signify that it is two deaths and not just one. Yeah. Or, like, perhaps up the horror sort of factor of it so it would feel more significant versus just, like, a gunshot wound with a light show. Okay, I think we need to move on from that because we've spent a lot of time talking on it. Do you have anything else that you wanted to particularly touch on? I did want to just float an idea by you. Okay. It's nothing significant. We're probably not going to talk about it, but just imagine with me an alternate universe where the Winchester family business is in fact insurance <laughs> and not demon hunting. Weirdly enough, we do kind of... There is some exploration of what would have happened if they weren't demon hunting. So we do kind of get... I don't think it's specifically insurance, but we, we do get a look at maybe what their lives would have been like in, a, in an AU setting. I mean, like I said earlier, we have canon evidence of what Dean would have been like maybe if he'd had the opportunity to pursue a higher education and, you know, not force into this. So and that that's the yeah. same episode that I was talking about earlier. So it's excellent. I believe it's season five. So it's coming four, up. Four or five, yeah. It's not too far. It's certainly before season six. It's, okay. it's, it's got to be somewhere between seasons four and five. I think it's in five. I may be wrong. I will also just point out, I I was only 10 in 2008, but I gotta know, was silent not an option on people's phones? Why does he have a ringtone? Like, what scene are you... Oh, from Richie. Is that... No, from Sam, when he's sneaking around after fucking Trotter, and his phone rings, because Dean rings oh. him, and it's like the loudest... This happens fucking all the thing. fucking time on why, this show. Why do you not have your phone on, like, vibrate or silent? Do you know what? That is something that comes up weirdly a lot in this show. Like, that they're just, like, doing something super secret and then their phone rings and they, like, answer it and have to be like, what? When you said this, I thought you were talking about Richie at the start of the episode. Yeah. Richie's a very weird vibe. I don't... I don't know how to feel about him as a character. He and Dean are obviously on, like, friendly terms. They've got, like, a little bit of a history. But, like, the thing where he's, like, clearly just had sex with this woman. Like, she's clearly a sex worker. Yeah. He's like, oh, this is my sister, which is so weird. And then, like, he gives her the money and, like, he's very aware that they're very aware that she is not his sister. And so he goes, stepsister. And I'm like, I hate that so much. And then they're, like, chatting and I don't know. He just, he's a weird vibe. And then when they're at the bar and, you know, Dean's like, I'm going to do some research with the bartender. And Richie's like, oh, no, like, me and her have a little thing lined up. And then Dean's like, really? And he goes, stings, doesn't it? And I was like... I don't know. Like, it just felt weirdly antagonistic. And then yeah. he, like, leaves. And then so he I dies. I will say, 
this entire relationship is just triggering Dean's like parental instincts constantly. Right? He's sitting there on his phone trying to check up on him and Sam's like, you know, your dinner's right there. And Dean, Dean says, and I wrote this down because I was confused by it. He's like, he's a moron. He's a sweet moron, but he's not a coward. And I'm like, how are those three things related? He's a moron. Okay, fine. Statement. He's a sweet moron. Okay, fine. He's not a coward. I don't know where sweet or moron, like, I, I don't, I don't know. It just, it, it's a strange line to me. I like that Dean has a friend. Yeah. But I'm confused by Richie in general. <laughs> and then he dies. And we literally never hear about him again. I don't know. He's weird vibes. Weird vibes. I don't know how to feel about him. I don't know how you feel about him. I feel confused. Yeah, weird vibes. Mm. Um, yeah, no, the main thing I took away from that is like, wow, like the parent-child complex is mm-hmm. real. Mm-hmm. I told you, he meets everyone he meets. He's like, I'm either your parent or your child. And he just congrats with you it. got a new kid. <laughs> or I got a new Congratulations, kid. you've just been adopted. I do have a quick question for you while we're on briefly on characters. We mentioned before, or rather you mentioned before, that you think that Ruby's trying to manipulate Sam uh, into being in a position of power so she can, like, sidle up kind of Either thing. that or it ties back into my time passes differently in Hell Theory and they become buddies in Hell and now she's trying to get Sam to remember. <laughs> it's like it's like a rom-com. So you think so Sam, Sam, Sam has, has amnesia? amnesia. <laughs> and now Ruby is like, oh, well, he was so chill in Hell. I want my friend back. And so oh. she's trying to remember him, like, make him remember her. Oh, my God, that's actually a little bit cute. Okay. Someone write me an A. <laughs> Other than that, yeah. how are we feeling about Ruby as a character? Because I know we were a big Meg stand for life. Yeah. And I just, I'm interested to see, because you haven't seemed as excited about Ruby. No, I'm not and as I just, excited I'm about I'm interested Ruby. to see where your thoughts are, just with her as a character. Not so much like plot related, but just her particularly. I like Ruby. Mm. I, I just don't like her as much as Meg. I don't like her as much as Ava. Like, they're my gold standard. Yeah. Iconic female supernatural characters. Yes. And like, Ruby's kind of getting there, but like... She doesn't have the immediate appeal that the other two do. Yeah, yeah. Okay, like, I'll I'll give you that. Like I like it. I think she's a great character. I'm I'm just like you know how I saw Megan. I'm like yes. You're you. like you're now my favorite. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or how I saw Ava. Yeah. And I was like yes you. And then I saw Ava in the season finale. And I was like yes. yes. <laughs> okay, cool. I was just gonna check in because like. I don't mind it. I think I will grow to like her more. Yeah. But I don't think she was like. An immediate, like, yes, this character, I love them. I certainly liked her more with progression as well. Yeah. Like, I loved Meg from the start. I loved Ava from the start as well. And, like, Ellen and Joe and Missouri. Like, there are characters that you're just like, I love, I love, I love. And then there are characters where you're like, you love them after, like, you've grown. Yeah. They've grown on you a little bit. I'm interested to see how you feel about Ruby moving forward. I don't actually particularly remember how I felt about her. Like I said, I think I slept through part of season three, so I It doesn't missed... help that I also know the actress from a different TV show, and uh, I wasn't color. necessarily yeah. the biggest fan of her character. Or even, like, um, uh, Bella from Bad Day at Black Rock. Like, oh, immediate yeah. icon. I was like, fucking yes, Immediately Bella. in love with her. Love but, Bella. But, yeah, Ruby, I feel like, is more of a... I think Bella also gets, like... Like, Bella and Ava both get extra bonus points because they're something so significantly different. At this point, Ruby just kind of feels like a cheap knockoff of Meg. Yeah, I get that. I get that. You know that. what I mean? Like, And I'm sure moving forward, we will get more from Ruby and I will grow to love Ruby as much as I love Meg. But at this point, I do. Well, you might not necessarily. Like I was just curious because 
Well, you seem to really like Ruby, and generally speaking, we have similar opinions on characters. I like Ruby. I can't really talk to you about my reasons and not reasons without getting into spoiler territory. But yes, no, I'm really interested to see how you feel about her going forward. Now knowing or now realizing that maybe I don't know season three that well, I think I'm actually going to sit and rewatch it without you and then come back. <laughs> so you can give an opinion so that, on whether you like Ruby or not? Well, more so that I, so I can remember what the fuck is happening. Because, <laughs> like, there are certainly things that I do know really well from season three, and there are certainly things that I'm like, oh, I don't remember how this turns out. So I think I'm going to go back and rewatch the season just in a chunk, and then I'll go back and watch the individual episodes and, and know more about what I'm saying. But yes, no, I'm, I'm interested to see how we go with Ruby. I think she's a fun character, but I do understand entirely where you're coming from, where she's not quite as immediately iconic as some of the yeah. other, particularly female characters we've had. And I think she would have been more iconic if she wasn't preceded by Meg. Okie dokies. Part of the reason I was interested about asking about Ruby is because we get Bobby shooting her, which yeah. is hilarious uh, in its own right, but also... I think interesting because Bobby was the big advocate of there's a person in there and he literally went for a kill shot. And I was like, Bobby, I love you. What are you doing? I love you. Though I love that her only concern is like the shirt. She wants a new shirt. Yeah. I also think it's interesting that Bobby was willing to work with her. We don't really get to see them interacting outside of that one scene until they come and save them. And then even then it's really like Bobby's immediately yeeted and Ruby just kind of says, you heard him. And that's sort of it. So I do think it's interesting that Bobby at least trusts her enough to travel with her yeah, um, and take her word on like pointers for the cult. And obviously it works because the cult is now back up and running. Yeah. yeah. Which is insane. They just had to make more bullets. Yeah. Funny about that. It's almost like the magic bullets that they only had a limited number of could just be recontinued. I am done with Supernatural <laughs> and their fucking bullshit. Oh, shit. They were like, got... 11 and a half more seasons to They go. were like, this is going to be significant. There's only five bullets left. There is no way we can make more bullets. And then Bobby's like, yeah, I'll make some more bullets. Yeah. Give me an episode and a Bunsen burner and a demon and a sack of sand. They were like, oh, fuck. We're going to have to find something to be able to kill the new big bad that I'm assuming is coming because, like... The big bad at the moment is... I Honestly, the big bad of season three is really just Dean's demon deal. Yeah. Like, there is no real but also, villain. It's just, like, that looming threat of we have to find a way to get Dean out of this before the end of the season. Like, that's the thing they're trying to combat. But there's also, like, the whole... They and release a whole bunch of demons. Like, surely one of them's going to be more powerful than any demon they've faced since Azazel. Like, yeah. surely someone else is going to be at least vaguely on his level where the only way that they're actually going to be able to kill him is they're going to need an overpowered weapon. Like, so what... Is interesting, and I don't think this is really that spoilery, so I don't mind telling you. But basically, within Hell, you know, in this episode, she mentions that Dean has caused such a problem on Earth that he won't be getting like a presidential suite yeah. in Hell. So you know how you talk about uh, Dante's seven circles? Yeah. Basically, the worse off you are, even like the, like the biggest baddest demons, like the ones yeah. that like really like they want to keep locked up, yeah. are in like the most inner circle. So like. There are, if you've opened the gate at the surface of hell, what you're letting out is like the bare minimum, like the top level demons. So if you're talking about like the really super powerful ones, they're a couple of layers deeper. So it's harder for them to oh, get so out. Oh, so it's like trying to get off a plane 
and yes. you stand up and like the big bad powerful demons are like stuck at the back yeah so they've got to wait for everyone else to get off the plane before they basically and some of them like so unless they're like powerful enough and mean enough and shit to push past all the other demons to get out it's like a bottleneck and yeah. the other thing that you have to consider is that some of the things that are locked up in hell are literally locked up in hell so even if you open the gate to hell there are further gates. It's like, like unlocking the front gate of a prison, but not unlocking the cells. cells. Exactly. So a lot of the demons that are coming out in this season, and again, they mentioned there's like 200, which when you get into later seasons, that's like fucking Tuesday. It's You're looking at like lower level grunts. Like yeah. this is why Sam was supposed to be the leader, because they are the like troops, essentially. Yeah. They're not the, they're not the head honcho sitting at the yeah. war table. They're the people on the field. Yeah, so that's so, kind of the equivalent. Because it was unlikely that they were going to get a demon powerful enough out to lead them, they needed Sam. Part of, like, the appeal of having Sam as, like, their leader is because Sam would have had intimate knowledge of the hunting community. Mm-hmm. So, like, where we're like, oh my god, Ava was so cheated out of the, like, yeah. you know, the title, and she was. But the reason I think personally that Azazel favoured Sam so much was yeah. because Sam tactically had so much so many connections. But also not even just like based on your sort like like it's it's canonically in the text. When he's having that meeting with Sam and he's going, You're my favourite mm-hmm. because Daddy trained you up. Yeah. Like he literally says it. He's like, You're my favourite because you have that have the insider knowledge. Yeah, you exactly. have the knowledge. Whereas you know like, what's happening. Whereas like Ava was a badass and she would have taken over and she would have been so competent, but she doesn't have that insider knowledge of the intricacies of the hunting yeah. community. Although to be fair, because of John's shitty, shitty parenting, really neither does Sam. No. Like Sam only has the tiny edge on that. Really. Even Azazel overestimated John's parenting. <laughs> Thank oh God. My God. <laughs> when a literal demon expects you to be a better parent than you are. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, I just, I wanted to touch in and see how you're doing with Ruby. I wanted to see how you're thinking about her as a character. Because obviously, like, she's come back, she's, what, we're only on the fourth episode of the season and we've had her in, like, three of those episodes. Yeah. So, so she's obviously going to be plot significant. Like, well, yeah. There's she's... no way in hell you introduce a character, have them in, like, three or four episodes and then have them not be significant. Like, yeah. I mean, though it is supernatural, isn't it? It is. Yeah, so really you have no way of knowing. Yeah. I have one very small point left to make before we wrap up for the episode. Terrifying. I know. Look, often I say a small point, we end up talking about it for 45 minutes. But this is about John and his parenting, which we did sort of briefly touch on. And how even the <laughs> demon expected him to do better. Yeah. Here's the thing. So Dean loses the book that has the exorcism written in it. You'd think... That for everything John drilled into them, they would have had to memorize that fucking chant yeah. before they learned the alphabet. You'd think that would be like his version of like a lullaby, a bedtime story every night. He's just reading them an exorcism, so it is ingrained in their minds permanently. It it baffles me that they never memorize the. I don't think they ever do. So Sam doesn't memorize it ever either, because like if. The two, like, based on what like, they're trying to do. I feel like they memorize it to an extent, but I don't think it's ever something that they, like, show off. Which, I yeah, I, I actually did. I wrote down in my notes at that scene, like, why wouldn't you have it memorized? Yeah. Like, you use it quite frequently, mm-hmm. and why wouldn't you at least put in 
the F, like I've memorized half of the periodic fucking table. Yeah. <laughs> like surely they can rehearse like and practice and memorize like so a Latin. chart that's what like essential to life and death scenarios. I remember, do you remember how we were talking about how you put like salt and hula hoops and you have like iron rings yeah. and stuff? One of the things that went around on Tumblr around that sort of time period was saying that they should have the exorcisms recorded as voice memos on their phones. Like, and the fact that they don't is crazy. I just wanted to point that out because I feel like canonically, like contextually, it would make so much more sense for John to have like imprinted that upon them. Like I said, like as a as a nursery rhyme or something, so that like yeah. as children they would know it. Like as an mm. eight year old, Dean and Sam should have been reciting exorcisms, not just you know being in their mid twenties and have being lost after the imagine first four being words. in the park though as an eight year old and, and like just skipping like, in a circle holding hands singing an exorcism and then oops you accidentally exorcised <laughs> like one of the parents iconic. Uh, anyway, that was my final point. So unless you had anything else that you wanted to mention this episode. No, I'm all tapped out. I've talked far too much in the last <laughs> two hours. Hopefully you can significantly cut this down so that people haven't had to listen to us for two whole hours well, talking about a single 40-minute episode of Supernatural. Look, we'll see how I go. If that is all, then that brings us to the end of our episode. So, Jamie, how would you rate this episode, Sin City, out of five? I'm probably going to give it three out of five stars. Okay. Pretty middle of the road. Nothing too remarkable. Nothing too terrible. Just yeah, it was it was an episode. Stuff happened yeah. in it, but nothing like yeah. It was it's no bad day at Black Rock. No, <laughs> it's so it's it's a drop from last week, but it's pretty yeah. it's pretty par for course for the rest of the show. Yeah, yeah. Okay, beautiful. The next episode is titled Bedtime Stories. That's kind of appropriate given what we were just talking about with the exorcisms. But do you have any? Thoughts, predictions, theories, hopes, dreams, fears going into bedtime stories next week. So maybe it's some sort of supernatural being that sort of manifests a little like tall tales, like manifests like their worst fears. Oh, yeah. So maybe it's some sort of supernatural being that sort of manifests as like specifically children's worst like fears. nightmares come to life. Nightmares come to life sort of thing. Like, and it's sort of... You know, the bedtime stories, you know, whether they read a spooky story or something before bed, then they're, like, sort of, like, dreams mm-hmm. and nightmares are, like, coming true. Yeah. And killing people. Assume, sorry, assuming the entire thesis statement of this show of, like, monsters gotta kill people. That brings us to the end of today's episode. So if you would like to get in touch with us at all, you can always find Jamie over on Twitter at DriverPixPod. I feel like maybe a fun discussion to have with her would be like other ways that the death could have been shown with the cult that doesn't include weird lightning and or slow motion, but still gets across the gravity of the fact that they're not just killing a monster, but they're killing the person that that monster is inhabiting, at least when it comes to demons. Because yeah. it does kill other things. But in this particular instance... It kills anything. <laughs> Except, except for John. John just... <laughs> Which... Oh, look, Supernatural's a show and it does have plots. Wow. <laughs> So if you want to talk to Beth, who's over on Tumblr at Driver Picks the Podcast, maybe talk to her about scenes in Supernatural where if you were a demon in the scene, you would be so goddamn exacerbated with their fucking bullshit that you would have accidentally revealed you were a demon because you rolled your eyes so hard. <laughs> just being so passive aggressive that it just like slips out and you're like, well, fuck oh well. I was getting bored of this shit anyway. <laughs> okay. So that just about does it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully we will have you back next week. Yeah, we'll see you then.
Thanks for the Bye. So did I make any predictions that you're going to track today? That I'm going to what? Track? Yes. Oh no. Is that a good or bad thing? It's a hilarious.